one more time. Welcome to the True North Church podcast, where we gather to explore faith, find inspiration, and strengthen our spiritual connection. At True North, we exist to help people navigate through the oceans of life in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Each week, we'll dive into meaningful discussions, share uplifting stories, and delve into the teachings that guide our lives. Whether you're a longtime member or a first-time listener, we're grateful to have you join us on this journey. So, let's embark on this episode of Faith, Community, and Discovery together. Well, this morning, completely different than what we've been talking about for the last five to ten minutes. We're supposed to be talking about wisdom this morning. So, I have a lot of scripture today. Lindsay laughed at me and told me, that I had too many and I had to weed some out and I said no um so he said we're gonna be here all day he said I'm gonna take the boys and leave and you're just gonna still be there and catch a ride with somebody or walk home and I'm like no I promise we're gonna get through it so just hang in there with me I'm not gonna ask you to flip to a bunch of them you can go back and listen to it on the podcast if you're taking notes jot the scripture down they're gonna be on the screen I'm not even turning my Bible to all of them I will probably read off the screen so that's great we're gonna get through this together so we're gonna lay our foundational scripture starting with first Corinthians chapter 2 and we're going to read verses 6 through 16 but I'm going to pray while you're writing and turning and then we'll get started God I thank you for this morning God I never take it in vain God to be able to step into the pulpit and to be able to speak to your people God God I thank you that as we go through this morning that as we learn and we develop and we we hold on to the promises that you have for us God That, Lord, that you show us a deeper revelation of who you are and who you are for us, God, and how we can be even better than what we already are. God, I ask you to anoint my words this morning. May they flow straight from you, Holy Spirit. I push me completely aside and I say, have your way this morning. Let me say what you want me to say in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 6 through 16, and we're reading out of the CSB this morning. Now, in my Bible, it's got these really fun um, titles for different sections, and this one says spiritual wisdom, and I was like, oh, that's great. So, starting with verse 6, we do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. Now, God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except his Spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, But in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. 
But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So I want to point out a few things before we go a little bit further in this. First of all, we have to know before we can gain wisdom, we have to understand what wisdom is. You have to get to the root of what that is. So the dictionary says that wisdom is the quality or state of being wise. Okay, that's cool. It also says that not, wisdom is knowledge of what is true or right coupled with just judgment as to action. So in other words... Wisdom is knowing what is right, what is wrong, what is true, but not just knowing that, but you got to be about that action, boss. Wisdom is knowing it and acting upon it. You can be, you can know about it, but still be foolish and not act upon the truth or act upon what is just or act upon what is right. So until we understand what wisdom is, we're like the person without the spirit. Before we receive the, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit within us and unlock its awesomeness on the inside of us, we're like the person without it. And they do not receive what comes from God's spirit because it's considered foolishness. It's considered foolishness. I don't want the things that I say or do to be considered foolishness. Not just to God, but to the people that I'm talking to. Like, and I understand, that's why it's so hard to live in this world that we live in nowadays where I'm no longer the younger generation with all the cool sayings and hip and understand what to say. It would be really difficult for me to be an active like youth pastor right now because I'm so out of touch with the culture, I don't understand it. Now if I studied it out and really dove into it and not became the culture but understood the culture, then that would be different. I could be more relatable to that culture. But right now, I'm either little kids or adults. So it would be foolish of me to try to enter into that part because I don't understand it. However, we have to use that same concept when it comes to talking to even adults about who Jesus is and about the things of God. Because if you're not a seasoned saint, as we say, or if you've not been around the church culture long enough, and I come to you and I start giving the thuses and thous and the this and talking about all of these great and grand things, but I talk in eloquent words that you can't understand, you don't grab a hold of it. And it's really difficult. So we can go to people and we can, there's nothing wrong with the King James Version of the Bible. There's nothing wrong with the New King James Version of the Bible. But if you come to me and that's all you're quoting to me, I cannot understand it because I don't, my mind don't register on that level anymore. It doesn't mean that we do away with that. But it means that we have to change our approach when it comes to talking to people about the Lord because if we come off as holier than thou, they shut down. So many people nowadays have been so hurt by the church or been so hurt by God's people 
that when you come at them with scripture, they're like, don't talk to me. Don't talk about that. I don't want to hear it. But when we come at them with real life and real love and real words to them, what they consider to be real words, it doesn't mean you compromise the meaning of the gospel. It means that you change your approach to relate to that person, to develop that relationship with them so that way they can understand and they can grab a hold of and apply it to their lives. So not only are you using wisdom in that moment, they're gaining wisdom and knowledge and understanding from you. That's what it's all about. That's how you make disciples. You can't make disciples, which is what the scripture tells us to do, not just grow the church and bring people into the building. We're called to make disciples. Disciples, I don't know if you realize this or not, but when you read the New Testament of the Bible, the disciples don't stay in one place too long. Do they? They set up churches and then they go. They set up churches, they raise leaders, they go. They set up churches, they raise leaders, they go. They may circle back and come back and address them and speak to them and love on them for a while, but then they're going to go. And then they're going to set up more churches and go. But that's what we're called to do as believers is to make disciples. So it doesn't necessarily mean that we're always going to bring people. There. We will bring people in. There will be people, more people that come in this building. But it doesn't mean they're always going to stay. And we can't get upset about those things. And we can't get upset about those moments when we look around and the same people that are in our building right now may not be in our building in a year from now. We can't let God, our belief and our, our trust and our hope in who God is and what he's called us to do, be persuaded by who's in the seats. Because if we're called to make disciples, it's a constant action of ebb and flow. It's a constant action of going and coming. It's a constant action of being refilled and going out and changing the world. Amen? Amen. So let's go on this journey of wisdom together. So how do we gain wisdom? In the natural, if you need to gain wisdom, what do you do? You study. You go to school. You research. You spend time with people who have more knowledge about what the subject that you're wanting to learn about is, you spend time with that person. Like, I love it. Lindsay's been doing a lot of our, he does all of our video editing, anything that for the church and stuff like that. And if I cannot do that, I'm not, I can do graphics, that's fine. I like doing graphics. But I don't have the patience or the, the want, the drive to sit down and figure out how to edit these videos, but Lindsay does. He likes doing that, and that's great. But I'm believing that God's going to send us somebody to do that for him so that he doesn't have to take that on as the pastor and continue. Because it's the hardest thing when you are the person that's speaking to go back and edit yourself to post online because you're judging yourself the entire time and then you notice all your idiosyncrasies and all the places that you feel like you missed it and then the next time you speak, those things are in your mind. No matter how much you consecrate yourself and submit yourself to the Holy Spirit, those things are flooding your mind. So I'm still believing and praying that God's sending those people in. I know that he is and I know they're called to be here and they will be here. But in the meantime, until they do, we still got a work to do. So Pastor Lindsay's been doing that. But there's some things that he doesn't know how to do. So he didn't go to school for that. 
He's not taking special classes. He's researched it out. He's watched YouTube videos, TikTok videos, whatever he can find and get his hands on. But he has the best resource available to him by picking up the phone and calling his uncle Thomas. Because that's what Uncle Thomas does. So he doesn't just, isn't satisfied with just status quo. He spends time delving into the mindset of someone who's more wise in that area than him so that he can make that change and get done what he needs to get done in his life. Now, that's biblical, but that's how we gain wisdom. That's how we gain wisdom and understanding. So, I got a couple of ways for us this morning that we're going to go on this journey of being more wise in our own life and gaining wisdom. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready too. So, number one, we're going to go to James chapter 1, verse 5. This is one of my favorite scriptures right now, and I'll tell you why in just a second. So, James chapter 1, verse 5 says, Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. So here's why this is one of my favorite scriptures right now. We just did this a couple months ago in chapel at school with our three, four, and five-year-olds. And the version of it that we have, I'm going to take you all to chapel real quick, so I'm going to need you to get your Bibles out, not your real ones, but these right here, okay? So get your Bibles out, and we're going to say, I need you to repeat after me. So say, James, James. 1... Five. If any of you needs wisdom, ask God for it. And that's the way that they learned it. And it's so cool because as I read that scripture, that's what I heard on the inside of me was, if any of you need wisdom, ask God for it. And the kids will scream, ask God for it. And they're so excited. And they don't fully grasp the concept of what that really means. And we talked about it for four weeks and really told them how they can ask God for wisdom and what wisdom even means and how they go for that. But we have that same ability to do that. So James 1.5, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously. God doesn't hold back his wisdom or knowledge or understanding from us. No matter what we've done, he's always going to give for us. So it's the first step because he is wisdom. He's the, or, the original, the origin of wisdom. So we have to go straight to the source. Of who wisdom is and what wisdom is to be able to gain wisdom. So how do we go straight to the source? Well, let's continue on James chapter 1, verse 5. We're going to go all the way to 8. So starting with 5. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So go back to verse 6 for me, please. So let him ask in faith. So there, number one, how do, we, how do we ask God for it? We go in faith. We approach God through faith. And we say, okay, even though the outside circumstances looks like that it's not going to happen, I'm coming to you in faith, believing that you can do exceedingly abundantly beyond everything I can ask or think. So I'm coming to you with faith, without doubting. So that's the second part. Did you know you can have faith and doubt at the same time? 
That doesn't make sense. You would think doubt contradicts faith. It does, but it's two separate parts of our body. Faith comes from our spirit. Doubt comes from our soul and our mind. So if we can be in faith, but we can also be doubting at the same time, and that's where that struggle of the inner me, the inside of me, comes into play. So you have to overcome that fleshly desire and the fleshly thoughts of I'm doubting because the outside circumstances look like I'm not going to make it. It, The bank account looks like I don't have enough money to pay my bills. The bank account looks like I'm not going to get approved for that loan. My credit history has been a little wonky at times. Or I may not get to do all the things that I want to do. The outside looks like my kids are doomed for failure. But faith says that all of those things are lies. And the opposite of the truth is a lie. So you can be in faith and doubting, but you got to overcome that doubt and go to God with faith because it tells you what the doubter is like a surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. Unstable in all of their ways. I don't want God to look at me as an unstable person. And I'm not talking about emotionally, but spiritually unstable to where I'm not easily just set in stone and concrete in my ways, but I can be pulled in my relationship with God and in what I perceive to be truth based off of what the outside circumstances and situations are. So number one, we go to God. We ask him for help. We ask him to give us wisdom. We ask him to give us wisdom. How do you ask God to give you wisdom? You just ask him. It don't have to be some formal prayer. It's not a a ceremony where we have to even lay hands on you and anoint you with oil. You just ask God. You say, hey, God, I need wisdom. Give me wisdom. Help me to follow wisdom. Help me to hold on to wisdom in every area of my life. And you can add that to your daily prayer. But when you have a specific situation that comes up, you say, God, I need wisdom specifically about this. Not just general wisdom and knowledge, but God, give me wisdom about how to parent my kids effectively. God, give me wisdom on how to spend my money the right way. Give me wisdom on how to love my husband the way that he deserves to be loved. Give me wisdom on how to be the wife that I'm supposed to be because I can't expect something out of somebody else if I'm not willing to change either. Amen? So give, asking God for wisdom. Number two, the second way that we gain more wisdom is by spending time in God's presence. Spending time in his presence. There's a major difference in spending time with God and just asking something from him. So many times we go to God with our hand out like our kids do whenever they want something, they want a popsicle. Oh my gosh. That word is like, you can't say that word at our house right now. Because then not just one or two, all three of them want a popsicle. And then it becomes a fight and they're running to the freezer. So it's not, you. we go to God so much like that with our hand out saying, okay, God, I need, God, I need, God, I need, God, I need. And our prayer time is so full of God, I need, or God, I want, or God, please do this. God, please do this. God, do this. And not about, hey, God, I love you. Do you know that? Do you know that I love you? Because I do. 
And I come to you right now, God, not wanting anything from you other than your time and your presence. God, I just want to feel your presence. I just want to love on you, God. That's what I was created to do. I just want to pour my love out on you. God, just like the woman with the alabaster box, let me break open everything precious to me. Sacrifice my time right now, God, and pour my love on you. God, I worship you. I honor you. I praise you, Jesus. You are the bright and morning star. You're everything that I have need of, God. You are my father and you love me, God. And you're a good father. You're not just a father. You're a very present father. You're there every time I need you. You're there every moment that I need help from you. Spending time with him because just in that moment, man, I feel his presence. I feel his anointing. And then you can read the word and he'll show you things in in the in the bible he'll reveal things to you but you've got to build that connection with him it's cultivating a relationship with him so that when he speaks to us we recognize his voice the bible tells us that the sheep know the shepherd's voice and none other will it follow but what voices are we letting influence our lives that when when that when god's trying to speak he can't get through the static We can't hear him. It's not that God's not speaking. He's always speaking. We just can't hear him because of what we put in our lives. And how do you know if God's talking to you if you haven't learned to hear his voice? If I didn't ever meet Lindsay face to face, I wouldn't know how he's talked. Back then, that was before you did the internet stuff. But once I learned his voice, I know his voice. And we could be in a crowded room somewhere. Like, and even my kids, I know my kids' voice. Yesterday they came in at the vendor mart, and I didn't even see them. I heard them. And I got excited and turned towards the door and got like this ready to get my hugs from my boys because I knew that my boys were coming through that door because I knew their voice, because I've spent time with them, because I recognize that they are a part of me, that they are in me, they are with me, and I'm a part of them. But that's how it's supposed to be with God. When we spend time with God, we learn his voice, but he renews us and he refreshes us with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we're one with the Holy Spirit, all of the mysteries of God are revealed. We're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 16 again with that in mind. Is that right? Is that what I said? 210, yep, sorry, I don't know why I was thinking 6. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except his spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except who? The spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from who? So that we may understand what has been freely given to us by who? We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it's foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. Okay, here we go. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him but... We have the mind of Christ. 
We have the mind of Christ. So that's how the mysteries of heaven are revealed through the Holy Spirit is because when we take on our rightful place as a worshiper, as spending time in the presence of God, by, by fellowshipping with him and gaining wisdom from him, we receive his mindset. It's a renewed mind. We don't think the way we used to think. And when we try to think the way we used to think, something on the inside of us says, oh, hold on, you know better than that now. You were taught more. You've re- God's revealed more to you because you've spent the time. You've put the work in to receive from him I wrote down beside of that jinkies I know right it's funny jinkies we have the mind of Christ how do we how are we one or when we're one with Christ all the mysteries are revealed jinkies it makes me think it's scooby-doo all the mysteries are revealed we have the mind of Christ number three how do we gain wisdom this one is difficult But it's prepare for war. We gain wisdom by preparing for war. So we're going to go to James chapter 1. We're going to read verses 12 through 14. Blessed is the one who endures trials. Really? (laughs) We got to start out like that. It's, It's like that. Blessed. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Hmm. Trials are inevitable. They're coming. They're here. They are, they've been here. Trials are coming. But they're not brought by God. That's false theology. Even that God wouldn't put nothing on us more than he could bear or more than we could bear. That's not correct thinking. God doesn't bring anything bad on us. God doesn't bring anything bad to his children. What kind of a father does that? And he's not a bad father. He's a good father. Amen. Now, God doesn't, he allows things to happen in our lives because of our free will that he's given us. And because he knows the end result. But he doesn't do it specifically to us. It's just like the same saying people say, like when my daddy passed, people would say, God needed him more than me. God, the angels needed him more than you did. No, that's not true. That's not true. God doesn't didn't need my daddy more in heaven than he needed him on this earth. That's false theology. That's false because, well, first of all, that don't make sense. Why did God has everything he needs? He desires us. But he doesn't put that, us in that situation. He doesn't put me in that situation as a daughter. He didn't put me in that because he's a good God. And he doesn't do anything bad to us. He's a good father. But it says that trials and situations are brought on by our desires. By our flesh. Not God. I think about it this way. Can you go back to 13 for me? 
So no one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God since God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. I think about it this way. People, when I was younger, I used to hear people talk about alcoholics recovering and um, walking through the programs or whatever, but then they go back to the bar to minister to the people in the bar. And it's like, right, (laughs) right. How does that make sense? You're going back to the same place that tempted you, that you're tempted that you would frequent just to minister, quote, unquote, minister to them. And then what happens nine times out of ten, you might have that one anomaly person that's really got it, but nine times out of ten, they fall back into alcoholism. Because that's the place that they're spending their time and they're cultivating in. But then those same people will turn around and blame God for being in that situation. But think of, right, but think about us. How many times do we do that? How many times do we have a situation come up in our life that we are, that's, we're trying to pray about and trying to change and trying to do, and we put that on God? Well, God, you didn't do this. God, why didn't you? God, where is it? Now, it's okay to question God. People will tell you that's wrong, but I am a firm believer that it is okay to question God as long as the intent of your heart is to gain knowledge and wisdom and not blame God and not use God as a scapegoat or use that as an ability to further your own emotional downfall. And you're not always going to get an answer from God. But God is big enough to handle our emotions. He's big enough to handle the questions of, God, why did you let this happen? Why did this happen? Now, why did you let this happen? Sometimes it's incorrect theology, but I've been there, and I've said those words out of my mouth before, and it's not because I really think that God let it happen, but the way we emotionally process things, it kind of comes out as word vomit sometimes, and that's okay. God can handle that. He's not afraid of that. He wants that, not that he wants us to go through bad things, but when we go through trials, he's there. So he wants to hear that. He wants to be able to let you get it out. Sometimes we need that safe space just to get it out. And then when we, when we go to other people and we talk to them, they're not always trusted. So sometimes we run our mouth and we just blah, 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 blah about things to people that we really shouldn't reveal that deep part of our life to because they're human. It changes their perception of us sometimes, but then also they use it against us. That's the hard thing. But when you need a safe place to word vomit and just get it all out emotionally, it's God. He's big enough to handle that. God, I don't understand while I'm in this situation. How is this happening to me? Why? I've done this, this. I've been through this, 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 and this. But God, why? Why am I there? But trials will always teach us something if we let them. But when you go on a journey searching for wisdom and you want to learn more about who God is, what he says, anything, you're going to put yourself in position to have trials come at you from the left and the right and all around you. And I don't say that to discourage you or to to scare you, but I say that to prepare you. Because nothing in this life is worth gaining if you don't have to put some work into it. When you go through those trials, you don't go through them alone. He's always with us. But how do we prepare for that war? How do we prepare for those trials? Ephesians 6, through 10, or 6 10 through 17. 
Here we go. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against who? Flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist. Mm. With like a belt around your waist. That makes it like a superhero pose. You think about the belt of truth, sometimes they don't get enough attention because it isn't as fancy as some of the other armor, and it's popular to talk about. But you can't do your superhero pose if you ain't got something holding up your pants. Right? Can't, you can't go into battle if you ain't got something to put your weapons on. And what is that? It's the belt of truth. Truth is the centermost part of who God is. It's the centermost part of who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to walk in is the truth of the word, truth of salvation. It is a key that attaches all of the other parts of the armor together. It holds it all together because at the center of who God is, he is true. He is the truth and he is truth. So the belt of truth holds it all together. But with truth, truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. Oh, we're getting ready now. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we are covered from head to toe in that armor. But the key to that is put on your armor. That's the key phrase in that sentence. It's not just put on armor. It's put on your armor. Your armor is not going to look the same as my armor. My armor isn't going to look the same as Lindsay's armor. Because it's specifically hand-fashioned and tailored, custom-made for me. You can't wear my armor. We find that true with David and Goliath. When David was decided, I'm going against that ugly Philistine who's talking bad about my God, and I'm going to put him in his place. And Saul's like, well, at least put my armor on. David tried his armor on. He couldn't move in it. It's too big for him. Not every armor is tailored the same way. It's not made. It's not a universal one-size-fits-all. Your armor is specifically made for you. Put your armor on. Your armor on. And my last point, number four, on how do we gain wisdom is trust. Ooh, that's a hard one, isn't it? Y'all thought, thought preparing for war was the hard one. This one's the hard one. Trust. We have to walk in peace and rest in God's promises for us. But what's crazy is he gives us supernatural peace when we do that. What that is is just peace that cannot be explained or understood in the natural because of all the circumstances and situations surrounding us. It doesn't make sense to have peace. It doesn't make sense to be in a place or a, or a thought of peace. But he trades our worry. We give him our worry and he'll trade it for it. 
we give him our worry, we give him our pain, and he'll give us peace and rest. And I don't mean just a little bit of peace and rest. He'll give us all the peace and rest. I remember when we lived in Florida and we went through one of the toughest battles in our entire life. And um, I just remember <clears throat> every night when I would lay down, I, would, I was just so overwhelmed with emotions. I was pregnant with Cohen, which made it even worse because I was like at that point in pregnancy where you're crying over everything and it's just really hard to exist in the real world anyway because your hormones are crazy and you're just, I cried. I cried a lot. I was very emotional. But I remember when I would lay down in bed, I would pray and I would say, God, I want to go to sleep, but I'm afraid to go to sleep because I don't want to have bad dreams because I was having really bad dreams during this time. And I just would pray, I would say, God, I ask you to give me rest. I thank you that Zephaniah 3.17 says that, that you rejoice over me with singing and you quiet me with your love. That you're singing over me while I sleep. So God, let your melodies from heaven fill my heart tonight. Fill my head tonight that I hear you and I don't hear the thoughts and the things. And God, let me have good dreams. Let me have sweet sleep tonight. And when I would pray that, it was like I slept all night long. Once I started praying that and asking God for that, I started sleeping all night long again. And the, and the dreams went away. Now, that's two and a half, three, almost three years, almost just three years later. And I don't have to pray that prayer anymore. Because the, after I got it, I locked that on the inside of me. It doesn't mean that I can't pray that anymore. I still can, and that's fine. But on the inside of me, I got that revelation of I don't have to dwell in that moment anymore to wait and hold on to and have to ask God, give me rest. God, I thank you that you give me rest. Thank you that you give me peace. I'm already, I'm already there in that step. But when we're going on this journey for wisdom, you have got to trust him. You have to trust him. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says this, and these are Jesus' words. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest in my, in, for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God never asks us to do something that isn't easily done for us. He doesn't ask us to do something that can't be easily done. It's not that difficult. If we can push past our mind and our emotions and our, our personal will and grab a hold of what he's asked us to do. Come to me. I give you rest. That's what he's telling us. If you come to me, bring me your problems. Bring me your pain. Bring me your stress. Bring me your frustration. Bring me your, your anger. We forget about anger. Bring me your anger. Bring me every single thing. Bring me those feelings of, of worthlessness. Bring me those feelings that you don't matter anymore. Bring me those feelings of you don't have a place here. Bring me those feelings because they're lies, first of all. Bring me those and I will give you rest. Not just sleep, but rest. There's a difference. Have you ever slept and not rested? A lot, right? But there's a, we can have sleep and we can rest. God said he will give us rest. But we have to give it to him and not pick it back up at the end of the prayer. And not continue to try to fix it on our own. And not continue to try to worry about it. We have got to give it to him and take 
his rest. I like the, the scripture in this that says that he's humble and lowly or whatever, however it's worded there. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble in heart. So when we're trusting God, he's going to teach us things, right? We're going to be able to learn from him because he's lowly and humble in heart. What does that have to do with, any, with anything? That means that he's not this big God with this big formality that you have to do A, B, and C in order to talk to him. You go straight to him. He's there. He's on your level. Wherever you are, that's the beauty of God. He meets you on your level. If you've got great, amazing faith, great. He's going to meet you on that level. If you ain't got no faith at all, he's going to meet you on that level too. He's right there where you need him to be in your face ready for you. Talk to me. Talk to me. Come to me. I'm here with you. I will give you rest. You just got to come. You just got to talk to me you just got to trust me enough with your problems and if you trust me with this it'll get easier to trust me the next time trust me right now and the next time it'll be easier and the next time it'll be easier and the next time it'll be easier because I'm here for you I'm right here here for you I'm right here here for you we also can see in Philippians 4 6 through 7 on how to trust don't worry about a thing, because every little thing is going to be all right. My boys sent me that video yesterday of them running around the house singing that song while we were at the vendor mart. But it says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. So when we trust, the peace of God comes on us. And we're able to enter into rest. Because you can't rest without peace. You can't rest without peace. I just I think it's interesting that when we when we break it down at the very end, at the at the very core of everything, when it comes to God is believing and trusting. And receiving, receiving those things that he has for us, that who he is. Who he, when you accept God at who he is and not who you think he is, there's a big difference. Sometimes we get frustrated because who we think God is and who we've been taught God is our whole life or whatever. And there's no bashing in that, no shame in that. But as we grow and evolve, because we don't know everything. I don't know everything. Lindsay don't know everything. Our pastor, Pastor Dale, don't know everything. Love you, Pastor Dale. You know a lot, though. But it's because he's been through a lot and he's lived a lot. But it's a, it's a constant evolving of learning. So as we now learn who God is more and more, we're being, it's being revealed to us more and more on this journey. Because if we always knew all of these things in the Bible 20 years ago, what's the point in continuing to study now? Not that it's new. Because the truth of who God is doesn't change. But the way that we see him changes because of the way life happens to us. 
and we see a different side. The, we, the Bible tells us that even the angels in heaven, as they circle the throne, they see a different side of God and something different of them. And they, they, they call God holy because that's the only word big enough to encapsulate everything who God is, is holy. But if the angels who are there with him are seeing new things about God and they've been there for all eternity, then we can learn new things about God too. God is so big and so mighty that it's, he can't fit into our little box we try to fit him into. He overflows that. So who we thought God was, he's bigger than that. So we're learning more about that. So there's nothing wrong with who you thought God was, but now let's build on that and learn who he is now to us. Not that he changed, but we did. So now in this season, let's learn who God is. And we're going to continue to go and learn more and more and more about who God is. So Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says, You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Trust in the Lord forever, because in the Lord, the Lord himself is an everlasting rock. An everlasting rock. I think about when you see like the big construction sites with all the big boulders and rocks and they have to have the big, big jackhammer machine truck, whatever that's called, I don't know. But it's got to pick away at those boulders. Not because they can't hit it just one time and it be gone. They can't use just a little handheld thing on it. They've got to have that big, heavy piece of equipment, and sometimes that don't even work. Sometimes they got to use dynamite. Sometimes they got to use explosives to explode it and break up those or at least get it broke up enough to where they can continue to peck away at it and dig at it and dig at it and dig at it. But that's what God is like. He's an everlasting rock. A rock that cannot be moved. He's impenetrable. He can't be moved. He can't be shaken. He can't be changed. He can't be stirred. <laughs> Felt like that fit. He's the everlasting rock. He's always there. He's heavy on the, heavy on the always there side. He's always there. And I'm going to get ready to end with this. So our four things, what were they? Did you write them down? For trust. Good job. I'm proud of you. Good job. <laughs> so with all of those things in mind, all the things we've talked about this morning about who God is, what he does, what he's going to do, let's reread that first set of scriptures that we opened up with, 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16, in this new mindset we have. We do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, for God has prepared these things for those who love him. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Okay, hold on. So as we talked about, we have to spend time in his presence. We have to spend time with the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit, letting him fill us to overflowing. Why? Right there. Because the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Keep going. 
For who knows a person's thought except his spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except who? The spirit of God. So when we're one with the spirit of God, we know God's mind. We know God's heart. We know who God is, and we gain that wisdom. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We may, or we also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, because it's not in our own mind, right? It's not in our own power, but it's by the Spirit of God. It's through God. But in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it is foolishness to him. He's not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. So there, where we talked about having to talk to them on their level having to approach people on their level, but it's the same thing with God. He's there with us, and he gives us wisdom on how to talk to them, but he talks to us off of our understanding of who he is. God's not going to give us some big, mind-blowing revelation of who he is if we're not ready to receive it. He's not going to give us the wisdom that we're asking for if we're not ready to receive it because we won't be able to handle it. It will be perceived as foolishness to us, especially if we're not ready for it. Verse 15, the spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Say it with me. But we have the mind of Christ. Say it again. We have the mind of Christ. When you think that you're stupid, you think you don't know anything, you think you're lost, you think you're left, you have the mind of Christ. You think you're too old, you think it's over for you, you think that nobody's going to look to you for anything, you have the mind of Christ. On the contrary to that, you think you're too young, you think you're, you're too single, you think that you ain't got it, you don't look the part, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. And we're going to close on this thought. You have the mind of Christ. Right, I have the mind of Christ. And the more that you say that to yourself when you're in those moments of unsure things and unsure times, I have the mind of Christ. I may not know what to do, but I know who does know what to do. And I have the mind of Christ, which means I can go to my Father and I can say, give me wisdom in this. And He will give me wisdom. He will communicate to me. He will share with me exactly what I need to know, when I need to know it. And He'll give me the grace and the strength to be able to run the race and to be able to 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 do what I'm asking him for me to do. He will give that to us. He will share that with us. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. The quicker that you understand that, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just false evidence appearing real. At the core of it, it's fear. Fear that you won't fit in. Fear that you're not good enough. Fear that you're not going to make it. Fear that God doesn't have anything for you. Fear that you missed it. Fear that your life is over. Fear that people that you love are going to stay in stupid situations for the rest of their life. Fear that you're not going to ever get the breakthrough that you need. Fear that you're not going to ever see the things that God prophesied to you years ago. Fear that you're not going to be who God called you to be. Fear that you have failed in every aspect of your life. But guess what? That's false. That's not 
not true. That's not what the Bible says about you. The Bible says that you are a winner. The Bible says that you are an overcomer. The Bible says that you have a long life ahead of you. The Bible says that everything that you have need of through God will be met according to his power. God, the, the, the Bible says that every financial need you have is covered. God says there is a perfect partner for you out there somewhere waiting for you, preparing themselves for you as you prepare yourself for them. There is somebody out there for you that will love you the way that you deserve to be loved. There is somebody, or there is going to be change in those situations that you feel like are hopeless, that you haven't seen change in. There will be change in those situations. The brokenness you feel in your heart will be whole, will be mended. The lostness that you feel, the confusion that you feel, it will be made clear because you will trust in Him. Because you lean not on your own understanding, but on the wisdom that comes from God. On the wisdom that comes from God. After diving in and finding out who He is. And letting that wisdom wash over you. It's like a wave. But He will fill you with his wisdom and you will find that people will come to you and they will ask you for advice or they will ask you for prayer or they will ask you for different things why because they feel the wisdom of God exuding off of you the presence of God the knowledge of God the ability maybe you don't have all the answers but you know how to get them you know how to get them And people recognize that even when they don't understand spiritual things and they see spiritual things as foolish according to that scripture, they know that you are different and they know that there is something about them. They always know the right answer. They always figure it out. Even if they can't give it to me in that moment, they always come back with it. But not only just that, the testament of your life that you're still standing after everything that you've been through in life. Oh my gosh, what a testimony that is. What a testimony that is. That you are still standing, you're still breathing when you feel like you would have wanted to give up. You're still taking steps even when the enemy has taken out your legs. You got back up. What a testament of the goodness of God and the grace of God that people can look at you and say, wow, what happened? I thought this would take them out. But, buddy, I know who I need to go to when I need something. I know who I need to go to because I can promise you I'm not going to somebody for advice on a situation that I know can't handle it. But they recognize that in you. Yeah, going through trials and stuff sucks. It's terrible. It's hard. The battles are long and they're frustrating. But the difference is, is you keep going through. Don't you stop. Don't you quit. Don't settle for status quo. Don't settle for what you think you're supposed to do. Don't settle for what culture tells you is acceptable for your behavior. No, no. Don't buy that bull crap. Keep going. Keep pushing through. Keep seeking after what God said to you. Keep living your life and keep growing and keep living. Outlive it. Outlive every lie. 
every judgment against you, every frustration, every single parenting mistake, every failure you think you've made in your life. Outlive it. But you have to live to outlive it. Not just, not just live, but live more abundantly. Tap into that grace and that mercy and that love from our Father who covers everything that we need. If you, have, you need clarity in your mind, put, this, put some things down. We, we get so bogged down in our mind because we fill it with junk all day long. I'm just as guilty as the next person. My, my cell phone's in my pocket right now, and I'm up here preaching the word, and I'm not, even, I'm not using it. But we're so attached to this thing right here. We are so addicted to this thing right here that we can't even put it down for 10 minutes to spend time with God without pulling it out to look at what the, what the quote Bible, unquote, says. And then we get distracted by notifications or things that pop up on it. But that was a distraction of the enemy. You don't need to pull it out. That's why I went back to this. A handheld Bible. Yeah, technology is great, and we don't have to bring a Bible. And here you don't have to. We put it on the screen. But when I'm studying at home, I cannot use my phone to study. Now, if I'm out and about doing different things and I want to pull up a scripture, that's different. But if I'm taking time to study the Word of God, I have to use my Bible. Because if not... I will pick my phone up and I will get on 16,000 different other apps and then be like, oh shoot, I sat down to read the Bible and now I got to get up and get ready. I don't have time. That is such a tactic of the enemy. We are so addicted to that and then we let it get us distracted to keep us from our purpose. But the good thing about that is, is that's not permanent. We can fix that. But if we have chaos in our mind, this right here is the beginning of your culprit for it. That right there. Put it down. You may not be able to quit cold turkey because it's a true addiction, is it not? It's a true addiction and you go through withdrawals for it, from it. I get it. I get it. But put it down. Start with 10 minutes. 10 dedicated minutes. Set a timer. Even if you got to use the phone to set the timer. Set the timer, put the phone down, and then go back and turn the timer off when it goes off. That's fine. But set it down and spend 10 minutes. And you may not be able to spend 10 minutes. Start with one, 60 seconds of just giving God glory. Not asking him for a thing, just giving him glory and thanking him for being everything that you need. Thanking him and worshiping him and spending time in his presence, inviting him in for your day. The best time to do it is at the beginning of your day to start the day off right. 60 seconds, that's your challenge for this week. 60 seconds when you wake up. It don't have to be the first thing you do because I have to go to the bathroom when I first wake up. I can't wait. But instead of starting my normal scrolling, because we all do it, we scroll, 60 seconds. And then once you master those 60 seconds, the hunger will kick in. The more time you spend in God's presence, the more you'll want to spend in his presence. The more you'll desire to spend in his presence. So then you bump it up to a minute and a half, 90 seconds. That seems like nothing. 
And then you bump it on up once you're good with the 90 seconds. Go to two minutes, 120 seconds. We're doing math this morning. Bump it on up. Keep going. Bump it up in 30-second increments if you have to. If you can't consecrate five minutes in the beginning or 10 minutes, it's okay. What did the scripture say that we read earlier? God is humble and lowly and humble. He's on your level. If you got 60 seconds to give to him, he'll take it. With a smile on his face. Not begrudging, not holding anything back, but ready for those 60 seconds. He's like, all right, here we go. This is my 60 seconds. I'm ready for it. And then when, he's, when you're giving him that 60 seconds, he is such a proud papa. And his heart is open towards you. Ready to dole out blessings even when you don't ask him for a thing. He's ready to give it to you. He's ready to give it to you. So this week, start with 60 seconds. And then build yourself back up. And I want you to tell me next week, man, those 60 seconds were the best 60 seconds of my day. I started noticing things changed in my life. And I realized it's because I spent my 60 seconds with God today. And you don't say it as a, pride, a prideful thing, but you say it as, man, it works. My mind is clear because I spent my time with God. I'm not thinking evil thoughts about myself because I'm spending time with God. Because I'm reminding myself of who God says I am based upon the word of God. And spending time with him. Spend time with him. Grab a hold of the wisdom he's ready, readily giving to you. Don't be afraid of God. He can handle everything you throw at him. Everything you can throw at him. 60 seconds, and it'll change your life. That's what? See, here I go on my phone having to use a calculator because I can't do that kind of math today. 60 seconds a day for seven days is 420 seconds. But that's obviously seven minutes. That's all I'm asking for this week. Seven minutes. Not in one day. And you may be able to do seven minutes a day. That's great. Good for you. I hope you do. But it's okay if you got to start at 60 seconds. And build yourself up. When you go to the gym for the first time, you don't go in there lifting 150 pounds. You can't go in there and run for 20 minutes without taking a break. you got to build up to it. you got to build your stamina. It's the same thing spiritually. you got to build your spiritual stamina. Put the phone down. It'll be all right. It'll be there when you pick it up. I'm telling myself that. It'll be there when I pick it up. Any notification that comes in, it'll be there when I pick it up. The world isn't going to end in 60 seconds. And if it does, then my 60 seconds on my phone wasn't going to change nothing. But that 60 seconds I can spend with God will change everything. It'll change everything. So God, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for listening to the True North Church podcast. If you're not already following us on social, check out our website at truenorth731.com to find direct links to our pages. Also, if you would like to contribute to the work we are trying to do, you can click the safe and secure giving link and follow the prompts. Thank you for helping us build and strengthen our community. Until next time, have a great day.